0: cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today
2: alright, let's clap on four tahirua toru
1: fuck we nailed that,
2: that was let terrible. me do it you do it, you do it. Okay. 1, 2,
1: 3
2: <laughs> It's close enough. Tedokato this has gone by lunchtime. We are back once again with the late night lockdown edition. Um, it's also sleep week at the spin off. So we're going to be doing the whole uh, podcast in ASMR. Kyora, ora, Annabelle. Kia ora. Kia ora, Ben. Kia ora. <laughs> Uh, what you can't see, listeners, has been sort of arching his neck and staring at the computer like there's something crawling from another universe out of it and towards his face.
0: No, we're just doing some ASMR tingles. Oh, right? like, I see. Uh, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. To, to, um, to aid sleep um, after the audience is obviously on the edge of their seats from one of our famed lockdown podcasts, the, the greatest yeah. podcasts that we and perhaps yeah. anyone else have ever done. Great point. That's a very good point. Um,
2: and I, I feel accident,
1: I accidentally had a nana nap today. Yeah, and it was like my husband was on a Zoom, and I accidentally fell asleep watching the kids, <laughs> and then yeah. I, I woke up. <laughs> And of course they had gone and invaded his office and Uh run riot. But the worst thing of all was that everyone in the whole house had taken photos of me sleeping, Mm. including him and Mm. the 21-year-old. So Uh I'm being (laughs) sleep-shamed.
0: Did they make it their backgrounds?
1: Oh, no. That'd be terrifying
0: it's
2: um absolutely our goal in this podcast to put you to sleep we feel as though as New Zealand's leading politics podcast the team of 5 million is going through a lot again and our role is we're very much like the we're very much like the nanny of the team of 5 million aren't we we when we're going to soothe you to sleep with a with a lullaby for the team of 5 million so if nothing else um, we hope that from this conversation, you find something that can send you into slumber. Thanks to Ti here for this, for um, staying up late into the night and making this work technically as is, as is now tradition with a late night lockdown gone by lunchtime. It's, we spent quite a long time <laughs> trying to get this far and who knows if it will come out the other end audible. Thanks also to members for making it all possible. No thanks to non-members, apart from the ones who can't afford to be members. you are freeloaders. And uh, hello to the big boys of Brexit. It's nearly nine o'clock on Wednesday, August 18. So we're coming up to 24 hours in level four lockdown across the country. And, you know, it's only fair that we uh, tackle the big question, which is, of course, how is Ben going? How are you going, Ben? Have you drunk your body weight in mountain dew yet? Have you I f- I fucking taken to the Zorb? I hate it. Have you been arrested lockdown. with Billy TK?
0: I f- I f- it's it's an affront to, you know, it's, it's an affront to my existence as a free man in New yeah. Zealand. Um, every lockdown costs me quite a lot of money uh, because, yeah. <laughs> because I am self-employed, and um, And yeah, I'm 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 just I'm just I'm mad as hell. Um I finished watching White Lotus, I've got no T V like backed Uh up. You know? Um this could could not have come at a worse time. There's no T V (laughs) This I I powered through both seasons of Succession so that I'll be caught up for season three. And mm. then we have a lockdown. Hashtag thanks, Jacinda.
1: Um, ben, um, I watched a really great Bee Gees documentary the other night. So <laughs> that, that should tide you over. And that, like, sparked a massive Bee Gees obsession. I've listened to... How deep is your love? Literally about 50 times in the last 48 hours. So that might help tide you over.
0: (laughs) I I remember watching the Bee Gees documentary like when I was in high school, and I was like, you know, these guys are lame. These are, you know, this is the era of grunge, man. You know, fuck disco. And they were, I think they were talking to Morris, is he the cool one? And yeah,
1: Mo, Mo. And, 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 That's what we call him, like
0: his <laughs> friends, we call him Mo. And he was yeah. like, I, I remember the first day I had a panic attack. You know, my heart started beating. I was catatonic. I was sweating. I didn't know what was happening. So I drank a bottle of vodka, and that seemed to calm me down. So I thought, I know what to do if that happens again. And <laughs> it's like... So after that, I kind of like the BGs, and 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 I think back to that in trying times like this, like our like mm. our lockdown existence, mm. like our, like well, these our- are very helpful,
2: you know, calming, soothing balm for the team of five million. Annabelle, how have things been for you otherwise, apart from being humiliated by your family?
1: Um, not just by my family, but also by Simon Bridges.
2: Oh yes, oh yes, that was a. I heard about
0: that. Did he did he write it in the inscription in your book, Toby? In, in his personalised message to you? Is that how you found out? About,
2: found out about Annabelle being snubbed.
0: About did he write, me, not did he, books.
2: We should just explain that uh, Simon Ridges has Bridges has written a book uh, and he's sent the book to important New Zealanders. And he didn't send the book to Ben Thomas or to Annabel LeMath, or at least it, it got stuck in the post somewhere.
1: No, he, because uh, I tweeted him, and oh, yeah. he was like, No, I've got to sell some books. I was like, Bro, that, that cuts me deep. The thing, too, is I've always thought of me and Simon, we're like voice twins. We sound mm. like we were raised in the same household. Mm. And I interviewed him all the way back in 2011 for Native Affairs. And all of Twitter is getting these beautifully inscribed books from Simon. Mm. I I basically turned Baby Yak into a celebrity last year.
2: Mm. And
1: nothing.
0: Mm. Nothing. Mm. Nothing
2: for you either, Ben.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I I think I loudly called for his resignation, um, mm-hmm. and I think that that led to his um, his toppling by what I th- what according to reports he calls in his in his book the bed wetters winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I think he was pretty unhappy about I don't, I don't a lot of that. If that's fair, but I, I, reckon. Do you reckon Todd Muller just like I reckon he leaked a little bit when like Judith confronted him in caucus? Mm. I reckon he probably let a little bit out. Maybe just a,
2: a little bit out. <laughs> just a, a little bit of a stress. I think probably my bad.
1: expectations <laughs> were quite high too because um, because last year Simon gave me a kiwi fruit. And I thought that that was a real tohu of our bond.
2: Hmm. Well, not, not no one else has got a sh- kiwi fruit as far as I am aware, and they are probably. It was
1: a golden kiwi fruit too, so it wasn't just your ordinary kiwi fruit. It was like bougie.
2: <laughs> okay. Kiwi
1: fruit.
0: <laughs> Sorry, it's not. Well, the think
1: about it. Is something finest. that costs
2: much. Right now, right now, as people face several years in lockdown, what they would really want, rather than a book full of pithy anecdotes, is a lovely golden kiwi fruit. Indeed. So it's actually quite a good book, um, first, first, first quarter of it especially. It's got quite a lot of spin-off uh, content in it, actually. Spin-off is quoted more extensively than any other media outlet, I think.
0: Am I in it? I said some pretty mean things about him. I don't think so. Yeah, harsh.
2: Um, we should probably talk about what's going on. Uh, yesterday, about 2-something or other, maybe shortly before 2.30, the, the release came out from the Ministry of Health, which was in its kind of characteristic... Sober style, reasonably buried lead, <laughs> or at least, you know, they sort of played it down a bit. But we had a community case in Auckland, and then uh, the Prime Minister, who'd been in Auckland, flew back down to Wellington, and in a pattern, I suppose, we're becoming sadly but familiar with. There was the press conference, there was the announcement they were going, but this time to level four for the first time in what what almost a year and a half, I guess, um, and. Uh, the decision was that Auckland and the Coromandel Peninsula would be going into level four lockdown for a week, and the rest of the country for three days. Since then, we've had another, we've had another nine cases, another nine cases confirmed. Uh, um, the last three that came just a few, the last few hours, one of them hopefully being good news because it is uh, a woman, I think at the age of 60 who they haven't linked to the existing group yet, but she does have a link to the border. So uh, touch wood, if they can join up the bit between her and uh, the border and then to the, the group that we've got already that, that cluster, then it may not be too devastating, but I suppose everybody has seen this afternoon that big list of places of interest, which includes some what looked like um, having a good time in in Auckland, most exciting night out since that person spent all that time in the Korean chicken restaurant in the North Shore. Um, Genie said is
0: hectic, eh? Yeah, Even
1: my 20-year-old self was impressed.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: I was like, even in my prime, I don't know if I would have hit that many spots.
2: <coughs> Bar 101. And then
1: had the audacity to go to Denny's. church afterwards.
2: <laughs> I don't know if we know that's the, the same person. but it's And it's terrible because we shouldn't um, places of interest shame people. We shouldn't, um, you know... Uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't scan shame people, but um it is it is impossible not to put together in your head this kind of digital diary and imagine wow what a bender yeah. that looks amazing.
1: <laughs> if it was my COVID tracker, it would be like every hook or hook or. Secondhand hospice shop between Point Chevalier and Henderson. So when I see like all of those nightclubs, I'm just I have so much respect and awe for those people.
2: Mm. Maybe you should because you can manually enter things now. If you if you got just sort of manually enter some cool things to make it sort of seem like that's such you're a up good to, idea. I don't think that's a good idea. This is not public health advice. Please don't do that. Ben, yours would just be Northern Club, wouldn't it? All day, all night.
0: <laughs> the, the the cigar room. The
1: I try and do things like um, you know, Unity Bookshop and oh, yeah. Yeah. Auckland art gallery yeah. Yeah. and like Love sophisticated it. Love basement theatre. <laughs>
2: Um, One of the things that is notable, I suppose, about the decision that was made is that, is it fair to say there was nothing, no, it was inevitable? No one was really surprised, were they? I mean, I guess partly because of what we've seen across the Tasman, what we've seen happen in New South Wales especially, means that I don't think there were many groups, whether it was business groups or that even the National Party, perhaps with the exception of David Seymour, no one really argued about the decision. They might have argued about Uh, whether or not we had been fully advanced as we might as advanced as we might have been in the vaccine rollout but no one really argued with the decision.
1: Yeah it's interesting I um, uh, like you say I don't think I I think there's been a a, a sense of inevitability about it and just over the last couple of weeks I've had heard more and more people planning for it and on oh, yeah. one I was actually at a at a in a shared office space, and I could overhear um one of the other officers talking about their level four plan. So mm. I think you know all of us were kind of uh, in a of a mindset that it was a, a when, not a if. Mm. and you know with with Delta, um, I think everyone knew that. We were going to be going straight to level four.
0: Yeah, and that was pretty good. Um, It was pretty good of Chris Atkins to, you know, and Ardern to really flag that in advance. You know, I think it was a couple, was it a week or two weeks ago that they were talking about that? So, you know, saying if we get Delta, it'll be straight to level four. And that was probably necessary because. You know, after last year and after the beginning of this year when people were a bit jaded by the whole thing, you know, there really was a kind of uh, feeling that the government would be going out of its way to avoid future lockdowns. So, mm. um, you know, in, in, in that sense, uh, they've been keeping people primed, they've been keeping people informed. Yeah, but on the other hand, you know, you sort of think, well, if if Level 4 was seen as an inevitability... And if Delta, you know, in the community at some point was seen as an inevitability, you know, why were they still figuring out whether vaccinations could take place today? Uh, why did Grant Robertson, I think he told News Talk ZB, they're still working on the classification of certain businesses as essential services or not? I mean, this, you know, should have all been sorted by now.
2: I and mean, I think some of the MB stuff uh, is. The details around the edges, I think, I think it's a fair point that it should be nailed down. Um, but it doesn't seem to be like it was the first time round, where pe- whole whole kind of sectors were um, asking for clarification. I think it's more the details, and certainly we saw in New South Wales how there there were massive ambiguities in the system. But yeah, I mean, there, you you did right. It was it, it was absolutely flagged. One of the places it was flagged was at that. Um, the Reconnecting with the World Summit that was held last week and which we were going to talk about anyway. But it was kind of Reconnecting with the World, but not like this. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and, and and one of the parts of that that I thought was, that I, I, th- I was sort of, after the Skeg report, which preceded it came out, I think a lot of us were expecting a lot of, uh, not, not so much nebulous, but very non-specific, non- calendarized ambitions, but in fact there was it was it was more aggressive, I think, than than many of us expected, including uh, introducing in the last quarter of this year a pilot scheme for allowing returning uh, workers to to uh, do self isolation in their own homes while meeting a whole range of criteria. But I wonder whether. I just wonder whether after what's happening now and we don't know how long it's going to last or exactly how it's going to end, I just don't... I have a, I have a hunch that people aren't going to go for that, you know.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's something that they will walk back pretty quickly at this stage. You know, that that was something that I think David Skegg was very clear that that was something that the government approached the expert advisory group with rather than the other way around. Um. And and that would be you know out of as a recognition you know for those business groups who are getting a bit antsy because um, as as we know absolutely impossible to to book MIQ um, mm. in peak times um, you know sort of private bot scalping operation going on there um, but you know w- without the without the you know, the security of high levels of vaccination. Um, you know, you're really asking a lot for the sort of people who spend a lot of time in the Koru Lounge, um, to, you know, <laughs> to be trusted with self isolation, not having anyone around, not see it, not not even being close to their own families who are in the same house as them. Um it's the sort of thing that's probably not actually going to happen.
2: What do you reckon, Annabelle, how do you think the mood is do you think this is going to change the the general mood in terms of even appetite for reopening with Australia? You know, in theory, and sometime in the coming weeks, that will be reconsidered. Obviously, that's going to be bumped back. I wonder whether there will, the, the, the trans-Tasman bubble will be open. I don't see it happening this year, put it that way.
1: Hmm. Interesting. I... I- just from what I've observed on um, Facebook and Twitter over the last 24 hours, it seems like people are becoming more entrenched on their side of this issue. So I've noticed mm. that there's the anti-vaxxers are becoming way more vocal and way more um, aggressive in their approach and their... their Sort of radicalised belief that it's that it's all a hoax, uh. um, and then on the flip side, I think most reasonably minded people um, who have been watching all the headlines pour in from from Fiji, from Australia, what's happening in New South Wales. Um, can see just how deadly Delta is and that there is absolutely a lot less appetite for a trans-Tasman border. And And to be honest, I don't think there was ever a huge appetite for, uh, for a trans-Tasman um, bubble beforehand. It's more something that's been driven by business. And so I think there's a bit of an element of, um, not I told you so, but that's obviously added to the... To the um, the sense of inevitability about it is when you see how bad things are over there and the amount of deaths, teenagers young people dying of Delta um, it's uh, you know Fortress New Zealand starts to look like a really wonderful thing
2: it's it's interesting. You mentioned the anti, anti-vax stuff. I saw some people today uh, pointing to because, of course, one of the cases is a is a nurse at Auckland Hospital who had who's had, had both doses and but had, as the research has shown and as is, is, does happen, she she became positive with COVID despite having both those doses. And it's possible that, it's, you know, it's it's just it's it's the one of those one of those dangers that it becomes kind of uh, part of the ammunition from on, on the anti-vaxxer side. On the other side of that, hopefully, one silver lining out of this really, you know, we're we're being we're joking about it, but it's a pretty horrible thing to happen. This lockdown is that it will push some people towards understanding that we really have to get vaccinated and we have to get the fuck on with it. Yeah,
0: you know, I mean, you'd hope that that was the case, but. I think if there was one bum note in the Prime Minister's um, address, I suppose, you know, last night announcing the lockdown, Mm. it was this almost sort of fatalistic view uh, about vaccinations. Um, where you know, look at it. It is a it, it is a tough thing to get across. Saying you know, look, this this person was fully vaccinated, but yes, they got the virus. Now we know that if if you are vaccinated and you do get the virus, your chances of having you know serious adverse consequences are hugely reduced. You know, I, I don't know the exact figures, but you know, by 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 a factor of about twenty or something, right? And. So, 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 you know, there's no question about whether it's worthwhile getting the virus, yeah. but I, th- I think the prime minister, the said, vaccine, I think the prime minister, uh, the vaccine, Sorry, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Still, still, some <laughs> argument about the virus. <laughs> the benefits of that. The, uh, like, uh, let's let's just release a little bit on Waikiki Island, just to, <laughs> just to just a just a controlled study. Um, but yeah, and I think maybe the PM. Kind of didn't make the case particularly well there and said, you know, well, we can't be relying on the vaccine. You know, maybe the vaccine won't be enough to allow us to reopen. And I, d- I don't know, you know, in the early, st- we're still in the early stages of a, a national vaccine rollout. And I don't know if that was the right messaging to give. Um, you know, our, our problem is not actually widespread. Uh, vaccine scepticism or anti-vaccine, uh, it's a lot of hesitancy in the community, a lot of people mm-hmm. going, well, you know, I, I don't think it's a government plot, but, you know, why Why should I get it? You know, all else being equal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I do worry that the government hasn't really put the same sort of focus and also level of resources into it th- that I thought they would, which is to say equal to the kind of marketing campaign they did for um, the lockdown and for uniting against COVID-19 in the early stages last year. Um and, you know,
2: you see, I don't even know if that's true. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I certainly think it's it's less visible, but I, I and I don't know. I'm I honestly haven't a clue whether what the numbers tell you, but I feel like it's just that everyone was paying attention then, you know, so whereas now the stuff or the it seems like there's quite a lot of publicity being pumped out, but there's just much more around and people are less focused on it. And I think that's the case with the contact tracer app um, as well.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Ben. I, I, when we conducted our poll at the start of the year on um, the Māori um, participation in the vaccination programme, um, there was um, reasonably high levels of hesitancy, but it wasn't po and the ground stuff. It was... Um, I'm a little bit worried. I need more information, and they all and the vast majority of Maori cited their GP as their um, primary source of of um of information. they, specifically said they didn't care what iwi leaders had to say, they didn't care what social media influencers had to say, they didn't care what all blacks or sports figures or anything like that wanted, you know, what they had to say. They wanted good information from their GPs and um, I'm not sure how well that's been executed um, within Māori communities because, you know, they're, they're the vaccine um, rates among Maori are really lagging behind where I would have hoped or expected them to be by now, and I, I just wonder if they're um, ha- if they have the right delivery mechanisms for providing that sort of information and assurance that a lot of Maori communities need.
0: I reckon that that's a really good point, eh? and and we've heard, you know, uh, a few weeks ago we were hearing from. Uh, the, from the GPs nationally, saying that they hadn't been looped in. You know, it was all being done through the district health boards, mm. and not through, uh, you know, the GPs. You know, I, I don't know if you can get vaccines at your GP uh, right now, um, and and that is, you know, that is that is most people's, particularly rural people, particularly people outside the cities that's, that's the, the doctor, right? That's the guy yeah. who knows about yeah. your family yeah. and your medical history and the guy that, you, you know, he's de- as Shane Retty would say, the guy who's delivered your babies, yeah. mixed in sweat, you know. And, yeah, and I, I just I just worried, look, the, I mean, I got, I got into a bit of strife, I think, on uh, social media the other week for... Uh, <laughs> gently echoing Judith Collins' uh, concerns about Ashley Bloomfield. But but the reality is that, um, you know, I think the people, you know, the, the, the people who have put us in this good position, uh, as far as the pandemic goes, are actually Cabinet and the politicians. And it's been political calls, um, you know, in terms of lockdowns, uh, in terms of community buy-in, that have actually... Um, you know, got us to the point that we're in now. And and the sorts of, the times that we've been relying on bureaucrats, things have not gone as smoothly, you know, and we can think about, you know, testing at the border, we can think about still unavailable saliva testing, Um, you know, all these things that are meant to have happened, but just haven't. Um, And, and I think that the, uh, the, the the vaccine rollout is unfortunately, logistically, you know, in that latter camp. I mean, I, I, I think,
2: you know, actually National have had a bit, bit of a bad rap for some of the COVID response. Um, Judith Collins' comments about Ashley Bloomfield were very politically foolish, clearly going on to magic talk and, um, you know, denouncing a leading and beloved... Public servant is just not
0: smart, but the nation's uh, love actually boyfriend. Yeah, you can't. um, But 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 going all the way back to to
2: your close personal friend Simon Bridges, Ben and Annabelle. A lot of the if you look back at the comment, you know, he's widely thought as thought of as having messed up the COVID response, and I think in parts he did, and I think that was probably tonal. But there is a real pattern throughout of uh, suggestions being made. Criticisms being lodged that have followed through, been followed through in months to come after being dismissed. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, you know, maybe one of the reasons that our our response has been pretty successful. There has been that pushback from both media and from opposition, Um, whether it's on saliva testing, whether it's on, uh, you know, testing at the border, pre departure testing, all those things. And one of the, Things to your point, Ben, that Brian Roche, uh, one of the other kind of mandarins, I suppose, that's probably the wrong word, you know what I mean, senior kind of doyens of advisory groups, uh, recommended, he's he's chairing a, a sort of another COVID response group at the moment. He, he um, said last week that he thought a separate agency or department or, or whatever to deal with the COVID response was important because... Uh, health overseeing it was never really the ideal long term answer. They weren't built to deal with this incredible multifaceted response that extends way beyond just providing the health services.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, and look, remember the Ministry of Health, you know, it's easy to criticise them and fun to do, but they are actually a policy ministry. They're, they're not a delivery or a logistics or an operational ministry or department. They never have been. Um, and so it was always a bit of a category error to have them in charge of, you know, the number of people turning up to hotel rooms to test guests on day seven. Um, it's not what they're good at. And, you know, that, that this, of course, is the one worry that we have... Um, in terms of Andrew Little's plans to centralise all of the DHBs into this, you know, New uh, New Zealand Health um, or Health New Zealand um, agency mm. is, you know, if you actually just make it a sort of subsidiary of MOH, it'll probably be, you know, it could, e- could be even worse, um, you know, than, than the status quo. Um, but, but, yeah, like, I mean, you know, this... You know, I think National talked about a separate border agency uh, during the election. Uh, Roche is talking more about, you know, the overall response, so functions that are currently, you know, Ministry of Health, Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, um, and, you know, the Army or the Defence Force spread across, like, a number of areas. Um, And, you know, if you recall, I think Thomas Coglin, from, um, he was with Stuff then, now with the New Zealand Herald, actually did a wiring diagram of, of the sort of accountabilities and responsibilities between agencies on the border and MIQ. And, it, you know, it was frankly bewildering. It looked like, you know, a sort of Russian tax evasion scheme through the Cayman Islands. <laughs> you know, it was one of these impossible to sort of trace things.
1: Annabelle? Uh, I just didn't realise that's how you pronounce his name. I don't know if it is
2: it might be Coughlin she's starting a podcast we'll, we'll have to listen to his podcast to find out
0: this episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg in Williamsburg, Virginia there's never too much of a good thing whether you're a foodie, a golfer a history buff, a shopaholic an outdoor enthusiast or a thrill seeker you'll find what you came for here and more so ask yourself what is it you want? That's plushcare.com slash weight loss, plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, the other,
2: I mean, obviously we can't really avoid talking about the, what we've all been watching in horror going on in Afghanistan um, with uh, the Americans leaving and lots of Western countries trying to evacuate their people as the Taliban basically sweep in across uh, an Afghan army that just uh, basically seem to let them through into and into, into, into the Kandahar into Bamiyan into Kabul. Annabel, did you did you watch all that?
1: Um, I haven't watched it so much, but I've been um, reading about it mm. and really feeling for um, the Wahine over there, and what a terrifying time it must it must be for them. And also, thinking about the fano of our um, New Zealand troops who died in Afghanistan, you know, people like Doug Hughes, and thinking just what a absolute waste of um, of of time and energy and life that was. And you know, obviously, we shouldn't have been there in the first place. So. While um, it's come as a shock to many, I don't think it probably should.
2: And now we've 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 deployed a, a Hercules, which won't go to tomorrow. Afghanistan, I don't think.
0: T- tomorrow, as as we speak, tomorrow it's taking off. Uh-huh. So hope, hopefully they're going straight there. I don't know if they're taking a. a <laughs> there doesn't seem to be a lot of urgency on it. <laughs>
2: I mean, I guess they'll probably go to somewhere like the UAE and 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 just work as part of a chain that is hopefully um, lifting out um, citizens, but also really importantly, translators and other uh, Afghan nationals who worked for the NZDF and for other forces and whose you know whose whose lives are at serious risk. It's yeah, it's 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 a very grim scene altogether.
1: To be fair, I imagine it's not the sort of thing where you can just send a plane off ASAP. Like, given, I I mean, there'd be heaps of countries and they're trying to get their people out and literally trying to get time on the tarmac and all of that sort of stuff would be a bit of a logistics nightmare, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I've sort of spoken to people who, you know, work in NGOs and they say, you know, we were preparing to get our people out, you know, two months ago, you know, a month ago. Um, I, ca- I don't believe that as a Five Eyes nation, um, we were worse briefed than, you know, charitable organisations. Um, you know, and, and when you look at the sort of, um, you know, the framework that uh, the government has blamed for rejecting, you um, Afghan nationals who applied, I think, you know, as, as late as sort of June or July mm. uh, to come over back over here when, you know, the writing was very much on the wall. Mm. Um, you, you sort of, you know, it, it's really hard to grapple with sort of, you know, even if we just, even if we ignore that 20 million people roughly have just been sort of handed over to live in hell basically from now on. Um, you know, even if you ignore that and just think about the the individuals who helped the New Zealand forces who were employed by our guys who kept them safe, um, you know the the sort of the lack of concern for them really is jarring um, and you know and, and yeah like like you say, you know it's it's not easy to extricate anyone right now. you know if you look at the chaos that's happening at those airports, um, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard about, you know, people who had flights out and they could not get, they could not physically get to and on the planes where they wow. had a place reserved uh, because of the violence, because of the the mobs, because of the crowds. Um
1: planes leaving with like seven passengers on board because people can't even get to the airport eh?
0: yeah and, and then conversely you know planes that have just sort of loaded as many people as they can mm. on sort of you know, yeah, 700 of a people on a, on an
2: aircraft for 300 people people clinging to the airplanes yes it's all it's all dreadful well I mean it's hard to it's it's, mm. it's it's a sad one. You know, there's, well. there's, there's,
0: there's there's no happy ending and there's no hope sort of at the end of it um, mm. and and all all that we can hope is that as you know that Perhaps the Taliban let people leave. You know, if they, you know, ideally they don't want non-believers there or whatever. And that, you know, I think in in the late seventies, with people fleeing Indochina, I think Canada and the United States resettled about two million people. And you know, you would you would hope that uh, the countries of the West sort of try and match that effort. Um, you know, mm. if that's possible.
1: Especially ones like us that sent troops in there, you know, yeah. we've got a we've got a massive responsibility to open our doors to not just to the people that that helped us, but to to any um, way near and near far that are wanting to um, escape. Yeah,
2: totally agree. Just spend a spend a tiny fraction of the money that's been spent on military hardware. In Afghanistan over the last two decades, on uh, resettling mm. people from Afghanistan would would be a a a, a decent idea. Look, it's getting late, uh, so we should wind this up. I was going to talk a bit about Winston Peters, who has who's back, and we know this because he spent two release two press releases in the last week. One of which he sent out. I don't know if you guys saw this. He sent out a press release at about three o'clock on Tuesday, after <laughs> everyone was. Absolutely doom scrolling, and later, maybe four o'clock. And it had, he apparently was blissfully unaware of the fact that there was a community case and everyone was freaking out.
0: He was Um, was jumping in to defend the honor of Troy Balker. That's right. (laughs) That's right. That's right. right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you didn't even talk about Troy Bowker.
2: Oh, dear. Oh, dear. (laughs)
0: It was. I, I wondered, You know, we've we've been told that Shane Jones, um, you know, is is not really involved with the party, or is you know unlikely to kind of come back on board with them. But should, there was some florid language in that press release that I don't know if it wasn't Jones. I don't know where that came from. Are you
2: saying that Matua Winston can't come up with some florid language?
0: I look. I. I <laughs>
2: It's the difference between a a Merlot and a Burgundy. Are they different wines? (laughs) I don't even really know. Um, (laughs) Annabelle, have you got anything to leave us with?
1: I was going to sing Loyal or something, or maybe some Bee Gees.
2: Yeah, yeah. do you want to take us out in some Bee Gees? If you're you're waking up and unsure, what's happened is you've left your uh, podcast running. This is still gone by lunchtime. We've been, we're now in the seventh hour of this late-night lockdown lunchtime special. And we hope you enjoyed your nap. Just put it on again and, and and fall off to sleep. Here's Annabelle lee
0: Mather.
1: I know your eyes in the morning sun. Ben?
0: I, I don't know any of the lyrics. I just know the thing about the drinking oh vodka. Just Christ. Just, just end it. Just get rid of it. Just make get it, it. it stop. Get make it, make it over. It